0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. Hey, oh my gosh, back in this room. This is awesome. It's been five months since I've been in this room. I feel like I can act like myself. We call this room our dream center because this is the place where we want people. We want you to discover God's dream for your life. In fact, you know what I've noticed over the last five months? People who know in their heart, in their soul, God's dream for their life, they're not just coping, they're conquering in this thing. People who don't know God's dream, oh my gosh, it's a struggle just to get out of of bed, And uh, man, I can't wait for you to be here with me. September 5th and 6th, we'll do this thing together. But those of you who continue to watch online, I love you. I thank God for you. We're all in this together and our God is good. Uh, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. The good news is I tested negative for COVID-19. The bad news is, I've got a case of the COVID crazies. Uh, Yeah, it's going around. You got it too. Uh, I saw three headlines in the news this week um, that alerted me to the fact that people are on their last nerve. Here's the first headline. It said, man launches expletive-filled tirade at restaurant staff for taking too long to prepare his to-go order. And it went on to say, this guy just went ripping out of the parking lot, about hit somebody. I think in my mind, I'm kind of imagining he gets home, he's got no food. He left before they even got it to him. All he goes home with is his anger. Yikes. And then here's the second one I saw. Woman hurls vicious, expletive-filled insults when asked to wear a mask as she entered the grocery store. Yikes. Here's my favorite. COVID-19 has made me a rage monster. This thing, this article, two things it said that I thought was really cool. If you want to de-stress during this crazy season, get off social media and stop watching the news. Good advice. I love that. Um, but what we're learning is that during this Pro-long pa- pandemic, it's getting painful. And, and people are getting angry. They're snapping at each other. They're going through life, snarling, angry outburst. And so I, I know I need help. I'm guilty as charged on this one. A few weeks ago, we were having a staff meeting on Zoom. And could I just stop and say, I think Zoom needs to be designated as the new cuss word. I mean, you get real mad at somebody, you say, go to Zoom. Zoom you. I'm going to beat the Zoom out of you. Just a suggestion. Um, But no, we're having this Zoom staff meeting, and I'm supposed to be listening. That's all I'm supposed to be doing, not talking. But somebody says something, and it really hurt my feelings. And so I say something. And as soon as it comes out of my mouth, I wished I could put it back in my mouth. I think, what? How can I be such a jerk? And I just went through the rest of the day beating myself up, feeling terrible about letting that out of my mouth. And when it would get painful, my regret, um, I would try to quiet my soul in prayer and when I had prayed enough, I felt like, you know what? You need to hear God's voice. You need uh, to go into God's word. And, and, and so I did. And man, he, he, he did speak peace over my soul. And, and what he shared with me, that's what I want to share with you. I know I need it. And I bet you need it too. I mean, this is so hugely significant because anger is the great destroyer of relationships. It'll destroy relationships at work if you're angry at work. It'll destroy relationships at home if you're angry at home. It will destroy your relationship with God. Um, the, the, the truth is, anger brings out the, the worst version. Anger brings out the worst version of anyone. And so I began to dig into the book of wisdom in the Bible. It's a book of Proverbs. And oh my gosh, I just wanted to get these truths drilled into my soul so that what I was guilty of, I would never be guilty of again. Here's a text that I found. Book of wisdom, Proverbs, an angry person starts fights A hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sins. Now, if you're a believer in Jesus, you know the wages of sin is death. And so our anger just puts, it just kills us on the inside. It'll kill our relationships. It is, anger is a murderer. You know the most angry person in the cosmos right now is Satan. Scripture says he is enraged. And when we just let our Anger burst out of us uncontrolled. We're just playing into his game. The wages of sin is death, and anger causes all kinds of sins. Here's another piece of wisdom from the book of wisdom. Proverbs, hot tempers cause arguments. If you've got an issue with somebody and you add your anger to the issue, all you're going to get is an argument. Next, anger Causes mistakes. That's from the book of wisdom. Book of Proverbs. It causes um, you behavioral mistakes. It causes you to make poor decisions. It causes emotional mistakes. It's not just that you do the wrong thing and say the wrong thing. You begin to feel the wrong thing. Anger causes mistakes. Here's more from Proverbs. Short-tempered people do foolish things. When you are short-tempered, you act the fool and here's the deal you always lose you always lose you always lose when you lose your temper well that i this This must be such a big problem because this book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs, it just goes on and on trying to offer us help, trying to steer us in the right direction away from a a poorly held temper, a poorly held tongue, a poorly held attitude. Here's more from the book of wisdom, Proverbs. The fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. You see, your anger does three things. Number one, it makes other people angry. You get angry at your kids. You get angry at your spouse. You get angry at a coworker. All it does is make them angry. Second, with anger, it, it, it creates apathy in the people who see you angry. You become a whatever person, a whatever parent to your children, a a whatever spouse in your marriage, a whatever coworker, because they're just like, when you start yelling, when you get all angry, they're just like, whatever. All he does, all she does is scream and yell. Apathy, anger, and avoidance. I mean, if you're angry, people do not want to be around you. They'll avoid you at all costs. I mean, it may cost you your family. It may cost you everything that's dear to you. I mean, so why is it that we so easily fall into anger's trap? I think part of the reason is that um, uh, being a bitter bully, it works in the short term. We get our way, and that's what anger is all about. We think we're being deprived of our way, and so we get angry so we can get our way. But in the long run, It is terribly hurtful. The loss is severe and profound. And so a part of the secret is understanding that anger is a choice and you can get a grip. In fact, that's what the Word of God says. Book of Proverbs, book of wisdom in the Bible says this, a fool shouts in anger, But a wise person gets a grip and cools down. A wise person makes the choice to get a grip before they say the wrong thing, before they do the wrong thing, before they start to feel the wrong, before they hurt their marriage, before they hurt their children, before they hurt them. I mean, you could lose a job over your, you could lose your health over your anger. But the wise person chooses to get a grip. I mean, everybody gets angry, but the wise person gets a grip and cools down. It's one of the things I love about our new director of cross-cultural integration, Michelle McElroy. I want her to come up and be with me um, because she's made a choice in her life. And uh, a few weeks ago, hey, Michelle, I love you. we were on the phone with uh, our Eric, our executive pastor, and just kind of out of nowhere, I don't think it was anything she planned to say, but in our conversation, she said, I could have become an angry black woman, but, and then went on with the choice she made. And so I wanted Michelle to share with you her story. Um, thank you, Ray. Your husband is so good looking. (laughs) Irritates me. (laughs) Uh, I love you. Okay, go ahead. Share your story,
1: my friend. Okay. Um, So, Dave, I grew up in two different worlds. Uh, Predominantly, I grew up in a low-income area. Mm -hmm. Um, But then on the weekends, I would spend time at my grandparents' home where they had a single family home, well manicured community, all the nice things that you could imagine. And um, as time went by and I got older, I became a little conflicted because here I am in a community where there's gangs, there's drugs and there's violence. Mm. And I became very shy as a result, very quiet as a result of that. What I experienced as a young person in school was there was a a young girl who, she just really had it out for me, right? She just, day in and day out, she bullied me. She just wasn't happy unless she was bullying Michelle. And she not only bullied me, Dave, she bullied me to the point where at some point we ended up in a fight. Wow. And this was year after year after year. So needless to say, I became very, very angry. Well, as I got older, you know, I said, okay, Michelle, what are you gonna do with this anger? So I began to take it out on my mother. Mm. Wow! I became very angry with my mom because I felt like where we were, she just didn't understand what I was going through. All of my peers put me in a position where I felt like I had to either fight, steal, or smoke in order to be accepted, in order to be respected in the community. And that was very difficult for a shy girl who desperately wanted to be accepted. And so I had to deal with all those feelings. Well, one night I was coming home and I couldn't get in the house. Mm. My mom didn't hear me ringing the doorbell, and I just couldn't get in, and so I thought I would go to my grandmother's home. Well, my grandmother lived a ways away, so I had to take transportation, public transportation to get to her house, and I had options. I could either take three buses, or I could take two buses and a train. Well, because I grew up in a bad neighborhood, I just knew that it was unsafe out there. So I chose to go the route that I felt was most populated and well lit. So I took a bus to the train station. When I got to the train station, I paid my fare at the turnstile and there was a police officer there who prohibited my entry. Mm. He said, what are you doing out here? It's past curfew. Now, I had no idea it was a city curfew, but then I went on to hastily explain to him with very little patience, out of fear, of course, that, hey, you know, I'm locked out the house and I'm just on my way to my grandparents' house so I could be at home safe. Well he began, I guess, to feel disrespected because I was rushing the conversation, which then made me angry because it was not my intention to be out. I expected to be home and in my bed safely. So my anger turned to his anger. Wow. And then he proceeded to roughly grab my arm, turn me around, put me in handcuffs. And oh, then, my gosh. Yes. And then he escorted me to this big, dark smelly paddy wagon. Wow. I was the most afraid that I had ever been.
0: can can imagine.
1: And as we rode to the police station, I, I got more angry. Mm. I was more upset. I feel like this is a great injustice. I was trying to do the right thing. So he didn't arrest me. He didn't even put me in a cell. He sat me at a chair at a desk, but I wasn't allowed to call my grandparents until the morning came. Wow. So, needless to say, that added on to my anger. And so now my anger was intensified, and now I'm not just angry with my community and my circumstances, I'm angry with the world. Like, I am so angry with everybody and everything that I just started making poor choice after poor choice, after poor choice. Well, I guess eventually my dad kind of felt like I was out of control and he pulled me to the side and he said, look, I really need to talk to you. And he asked me, he said, Michelle, what's going on with you? Why are you so angry? And he patiently sat there and he listened to me vet for a lengthy period of time. And then finally, when I stopped, I stopped crying. He said, now I want you to listen to me. He said, Michelle, I understand that you're angry with your circumstances. He said, but you're 19 now. You're an adult. And your anger that you're holding on to is a choice. From that moment, I made a decision that my life would be my choice. Mm. Wow. And so I chose to continue my education away at college at Eastern Illinois University, Mm -hmm. and it was there where I gave my life to Christ. Awesome. And as I was growing in my faith, I'm reading scripture and I'm seeing this great wisdom that my father imparted upon me in scripture, where scripture was just reiterating and reiterating that your anger is a choice and that your anger does not serve you well, Michelle. Mm. Now, I had experiences with police officers after that, right? And I admit, every time I would cry. Mm. The moment I saw their lights come on. Mm. So, you know, it was speeding sometimes, a tail light out. One time it was even tent on the windows. But what I recognized, because at this point now I'm older and I'm more mature, but now I'm steeped in my faith, wow. was that Michelle, in this moment, you have a choice. Prior to this, your anger brought about more anger. Mm. But right now, you can choose to be angry, or you could choose to be patient,
0: Mm. or you
1: could choose to be loving, or you could choose to be understanding. Mm. And that's not to say that I don't fail every now and again, but for the most part, the Holy Spirit quickens me and says, Mm. Michelle, don't sin, Mm. make a different choice. Yeah. And I uh, thank God
0: for that. I thank God for you. <laughs> you know, um, you know. I thank God for your dad. I love your mom.
1: Yeah, <laughs> me um, too.
0: <laughs> but I'm also aware that there's tons of broken young people in our world. Uh, I think Gray told me the other day that of the 40 boys he serves, not one of them has a dad in the home. Mm. And so not everybody has a dad like you had. And then there's lots of hurt out there. So I'd like for you and I together and those that are gathered here with us and those watching online, uh, let's pray uh, for broken kids in our world. Would you pray with me? Yes, sir. Our father, we believe that what Michelle found, um, we want to see found by every young people, every young person, uh, that what she found in Jesus and what she has at work in her life now called the fruits of the spirit, that's what we want for kids. And so, Lord Jesus, we just ask right now that you take your nail-pierced hands and reach out and touch every heart and every mind and every broken young person. Release the anger, Lord. Lead them to your word. Lead them to someone. Bring someone across the path of their life who can share with them the good news of Jesus Christ so they can know joy, so they can know peace, so they can know love. Help them, Lord, to make a choice that leads to life and love in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Michelle. Thank You're awesome.
1: You. So are you.
0: <laughs> oh man. Michelle emailed her story to me today, and as I read it, I thought, oh my gosh, that's going to be the most important part uh, of our service this weekend. But I just want to reiterate, you've got a choice to get a grip, um, to take a deep breath. That's a big deal. Everyone gets angry. You know the warning signs in you, just like I know the warning signs in me. And there are times, even that in that Zoom meeting, I could have gone on and on, but I had to take a deep breath. You know what I've learned? 40 seconds. You know, people say, Count to 10. No, no, no. That's not enough. Count to 40. Because in 40 seconds, you can tamp down the anger. Choose to take a deep breath. Now, I've shared all of this wisdom with you, out of God's word, the book of wisdom, Proverbs, all of it is meant to set you up for our text today in James, James chapter one. Because James is called the book of Proverbs in the New Testament. It's the book of wisdom in the New Testament. And I think James got all this wisdom from his brother, Jesus, and here's the wisdom he speaks about how to deal with anger. He says, be quick to listen. Be slow to speak and slow to get angry. Be slow to speak. You can tame your anger by taming your tongue. Get a grip on your tongue and you'll get a grip. Count to 40 and hold your tongue and you'll get a grip on your Anger. Here's how he puts an exclamation point uh, in the next piece of scripture that he writes. He says, human anger does not produce God's best version of you, the righteousness God desires, the right decisions, the right choices, the right behavior, the right emotions. Anger is not gonna bring about any of that. We tend to be angry because we tend to be controlling. We tend to be angry because we tend to be insecure. As we grow emotionally, as we grow uh, spiritually, as Michelle did, we outgrow our angry outburst. We get a grip, and we're able to take a deep breath. Now, Jesus modeled this for his brother James. There's only one time that the Bible specifically says that Jesus got angry. What was that time? What time does the Bible directly say Jesus got angry? Now, often when I ask that question, people will respond by saying, well, probably when he cleansed the temple, turned over those tables, let loose those animals, chased people out of God's house. Now, maybe he was angry then, but that's not the time. The Bible says specifically that Jesus was angry. But if Jesus was angry then, let's see how he handled it. Check out the Word of God. Jesus went into the temple, God's house, and after looking around, carefully at everything he left. Now what he sees, he sees rich people cheating poor people. He sees people pulling a con in God's house. He sees people running a scam in God's house, and it was all to fill their political pockets. They were getting rich on the poverty of others like all a poor person could afford as a sacrifice to God was a dove and these guys were charging outrageous prices. You come to Jerusalem from Nazareth, the town Jesus grew up in, you had Nazareth money. You didn't have Jerusalem money and they would make you exchange money at exorbitant rates. So Jesus sees all this. He sees the, the, the house of God turned into a rummage sale and he just walks away. He doesn't say a word doesn't take any action. Now he is going to say something and he is going to take action, but he waits nearly an entire day to think about it, to reflect on it, to know what he's going to say, to know what he's going to do. And here's what happens. Uh, The next day, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those who sold doves. He stopped anyone from using the temple as a market. He said to them, this temple, my house, will be a house of prayer for all peoples, but you have turned it into a den of thieves." Now, now, now maybe he was angry. It doesn't say, the Bible doesn't say he was angry. If he was, we see that he backed away from the situation. And then he did the God thing in the moment. Got God's house back to being a house a prayer. And in fact, his closest followers, when they saw it, they didn't think he was angry. You know what they thought? They thought he was consumed with the passion of God for God's house. That's what the scripture says. They thought in their minds, the word of God, passion for God's house will consume me. So here is the one time the Bible says specifically that Jesus was angry. It goes like this. I think, Yeah. Jesus looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Deeply saddened. Do you notice how quickly, do you notice Jesus doesn't stay angry? He gets angry and then in a heartbeat goes from mad to sad. Here's the backstory. It's the Lord's day. Jesus has been invited to the Lord's house to bring the sermon. He's the guest speaker. But it's a con. It's a trap. Uh, The really religious guys, they are trying to set a trap for Jesus so they can arrest him and haul him off to prison. As soon as Jesus walks in the room, he sees what's going on. Right in the front row is a disabled man. He has a crippled arm. His hand and arm are all shriveled up As a result, those really religious people, those religious freaks, they wouldn't, ordinarily, they wouldn't let this guy anywhere near their house of worship. He's damaged good in their eyes. But this time they plant him in the front row because they know that Jesus cannot resist an opportunity to show compassion. Well, here's what Jesus does. He says, well, you know what? I don't think we'll have a sermon today. I'm going to give you guys an object lesson. Walks right up. To the man that's disabled, shriveled, crippled arm. And Jesus says, stand up. As the guy is standing up, Jesus looks at the really religious people and says to them, hey, today's God's day. Is today a day to do good or do evil? Today, today's God's day. Is today a day to to help somebody or to hurt somebody? And then Jesus doesn't say a healing word. Jesus doesn't um, make a, uh, give the guy a healing touch. All Jesus says is, show me your hand. And when the guy pulls out his hand, it's completely whole, completely healed. Oh my gosh. This guy's beside himself. Probably jumps into Jesus' arms. The religious guys, they are so infuriated. They stomp out of church that day, angry and begin to plan the execution of Jesus. Here's the text, or here's what I want you to know. When angry, show grace to others and to yourself. These guys, the religious guys, in their anger, they were unkind and cruel. Jesus shows this hurting, crippled man grace. You're gonna get angry. I'm going to get angry. When you get angry, show grace to the child. You're angry. Show grace to your spouse. Show grace to your coworker. Show grace to them. When you're angry, show grace. And the anger will dissolve. And then when you do what I did, pull a bonehead move and blurt out something because you're hurt, show grace to yourself. Forgive yourself. And the best place I've found to find grace is in the Lord's Supper. So I'd like for us to take it together right now and repent of uh, the times we've been angry. Ask God to help us tame our tongue so we can tame our temper and um, find his grace for our sin and find grace so we can forgive ourselves. So if you take the bread the body of Christ, he died for your forgiveness. He died to set you free from your anger and he shed his blood, that's the cup, shed his blood, poured it out for the forgiveness of your sins. Would you pray with me right now? Lord, as we take these emblems, as we eat the body of Christ, this bread, help us to consume your grace. Help us to be gracious people. Please turn our anger into grace. And as we drink the juice that represents your blood poured out for the forgiveness of our sins, Lord, help us to show grace to ourselves. We're all a mess. We all make mistakes. But by your grace, we can grow. We can make different choices. We can become your best version of us, Lord. And that is our hope and our prayers. We take communion together, the bread and the cup, in Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. Can't wait to be with you. September 5th and 6th. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.